everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church Podcast. For more information on the vision, programs, and news of our church, be sure to check us out at www.newmarketalliance.ca. We'd like to encourage you as well that no podcast, no matter how good, can substitute for the experience of joining together in person at a worship celebration. That's where God really meets people, often through the love and ministry of others. At NAC, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Now let's join this week's teaching. For 2,000 years, uh, uh, believers have been responding to each other in code. Someone will say, he is risen, and people will respond, he is risen indeed. Are you ready? He is risen. He is risen indeed. I said, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Why don't you have a seat? I've been waiting for... 364 days to be able to say that, and I'm so excited to be able to do that. My name is Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad that you joined us. Uh, I suspect there's some people who are visiting today who are guests, and uh, I hope especially that you feel welcome. We want you here. We're glad that you're here, and you came on uh, what is, you know, the Super Bowl for the Christian calendar. Um, would you do me a favor? Would you just like, um, in the front of your seat pouch, there is a sort of an orange and blue card. Will you just pull that out and wave it at me to make sure that I see that you have, yeah. And just fan yourself a little bit because it's getting, getting hot in here. What that is, is an opportunity for you to communicate with us, especially for guests and visitors. We'd really love if you would just make your presence known. We'd like to give you a gift We'd like to welcome you. We're not going to call you at 2 in the morning or anything like that. We just, we just want you to know how welcome you are. And so there'll come a time later when we'll pass this offering basket, and you just throw it in there, and we just want to welcome you. There's also a welcome center desk out in the foyer, and if you'd like to hand it in in person, we have a, a nice little gift to give to you. So thank you for coming. Um, I'm glad that you're here. You're, you're in the right place, and... Uh, and so I know um, some of you might have been dragged here this morning. In fact, um, there may be some kids who are in the, in the room right now. We did something a little different this morning where often we have the kids come in for a bit and then dismiss them. Um, the kids actually started their unique special programming upstairs already. So if there are kids in the in the room right now who'd like to have a really special service that may or may not involve treats. Um, <laughs> feel free to go. There'll be people who will meet you in the foyer and sign you up, and uh, you can go right now. Um, if you'd rather stay with your parents, I totally understand, but, but feel free to go right now, kids. And uh, for those of you who may be dragged here this morning who are adults, you came to make your mom happy, you're home for the weekend, and you figure, well, this is what the family does, and uh, so I can put up with about anything if it's short enough. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, you, may, you may not even believe any of this stuff that we're singing about and talking about. Um, you may used to have believed this stuff, but slowly you came to the conclusion that you know, natural selection and quantum physics and the age of the earth and unverifiable miracles, it all just sort of chipped away at your faith. Maybe you felt um, that you left faith because you had a bad church experience. Welcome to the club. 
I, I've had my fair share too. I'm pretty sure I've caused a few bad experiences <laughs> for others. <coughs> Hypocritical Christians, yep, that's a real thing. And I'll bet there are a few of those here too. I know I'm a recovering hypocrite who has many relapses. Um, I get it. The Jesus movement should have been buried right alongside its founder, but it wasn't. There is in, um, in this generation an increasing movement towards a belief system called atheism. And maybe that's where you are today, and I'm especially glad that you're here. Welcome. Um, there are spokespeople for this movement. The late Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, a very popular Sam Harris. I have, I have no interest in disparaging them. Uh, they are incredibly bright. They're well-educated. You'll see for yourself in a second. So Andy Stanley had this thought. He wondered um, what that debate might look like. You know, on one side are these modern neo-atheists of our generation, and on the other are these first century apostles, Peter and Paul. And um, Dawkins, Harris, might have started their debate with something like this. Just watch your screens. That's compelling stuff. And I wonder how Peter would respond. Now, <clears throat> this is pure conjecture. Um, but his conjecture, based on Peter's own writing and, and first-hand historical accounts, I, I think Peter, a simple fisherman with no formal education, um, he might have responded something like this. Well, fellas, I've, uh, I've never really given a whole lot of thought to, uh, how did you put it? cosmology or our agency in the world. So I can't really comment on any of that. Maybe Paul can, because he, lo he loves this kind of stuff. Uh, I'm certainly familiar with the, um, the God of the, what did you call it? The Old Testament. Yes. I'm familiar with that God. Um, I know my people's story. You know, I, 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 I know what God meant to Joshua, to Moses. And I guess I've never really, I guess I've never really questioned those stories, probably because of, you know, where and how I was raised. But gentlemen, none of that, none of what you've even said has anything to do with my decision to follow Jesus. Mr. Harris, Mr. Dawkins, you've talked about the inadequacy of my reasoning, well, um, allow me to explain, <laughs> allow me to explain my reasoning, because it's actually quite short. I really only have one, one reason that is, uh, you see, for three years, I was a true believer, or at least I, I thought I, I was. I was the loudest room in the voice. I was blustery. I was confrontational. I was dogmatic. And then... Well, then I got arrested, and I ran, 
And, and when I was asked if I knew him, um, I lied. And when the Romans crucified him, um, I watched from a safe distance, like a coward. I watched him die. And in, the, in that moment, just like you guys, I had no faith. I had no reason to believe. Everything I thought I believed, well, it was over. So when the women burst into the room early that morning to let us know the tomb was empty, I can assure you I was not thinking, miracle. <laughs> I may not have a whole lot of education, but uh, I'm no fool. Have you guys ever seen a crucifixion? Uh, no, you've never seen a crucifixion. <laughs> let me explain. Nobody survives a crucifixion. Nobody. I just figured, I don't know, maybe the body had been stolen or maybe the ladies got confused and they went to the wrong tomb. But I guess, uh, I guess I had to see it for myself. And the next thing you know, I was, <laughs> I was running, dare I say, hoping and then when John and I got to the tomb, and it was empty, and we're staring at it, we did not know what to think. And I know for a fact that Nick and Joe had buried him. Later that day, we ran into Mary Magdalene, and she found us and insisted that the master was alive. But I would not allow, I could not allow myself to believe it. I mean, I had been chasing a confused rabbi for the past three years. I was not going to spend even one day chasing ghosts. So that night, the boys and I, we found a safe house just outside of town. Locked the doors, gathered together, whispered about what had happened. And that's when he came in. I mean, nobody, nobody saw him walk in, and I swear the door was locked. But I looked up, and there he was, very much alive. Look, fellas, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you. Clearly, the both of you are very smart. Um, but I do want to clarify one thing. My reason for believing isn't something I've read, or it isn't something that's been read to me. It's not, because, it's not because of a book. This isn't some tradition, and it certainly, it certainly isn't some delusion. I believe what I believe because of what I saw. I saw him die. But listen, he was buried, but God raised him. Mr. Harris, you talked, about, you talked about invisible friends. Listen to me. I saw him. I touched him. I talked to him. He made me breakfast. <laughs> you also talk about invisible enemies. Well, the enemy we face is death, and I have seen enough of it to know how real it is. But... My friend, my friend Jesus, 
He defeated death. And, and really, that's the reason. In fact, that's really the only reason for my hope. Since, uh, yeah. You're probably wondering how we got Peter here at this church. Since January, we've been uh, studying a letter written by a, a first century Pharisee turned tent maker turned church planter named Paul, formerly known as Saul. And if you think uh, Sam and, and Richard have an axe to grind with Christianity, like it's nothing compared to this guy. And then something happened that changed everything, and I'm going to let him tell it in a minute. But would you read 1 Corinthians 15 if you get a chance? It's all about an empty tomb, 1 Corinthians 15. And notice Paul doesn't try to prove the resurrection because everyone at that time just knew it, uh, that Jesus rose from the grave. Even unbelievers knew it. It was common knowledge. And so Paul says, quote, of first importance, he calls it the gospel, the resurrection is the preeminent truth of the Christian faith. And, and even through um, the years after the resurrection, when Paul had his own truth encounter, uh, he says, if you want to fact check me, then go ask 500 witnesses who saw him who saw him after his resurrection. Most of them are still alive. You go ask them. Anyways, I thought Paul, he might respond in this imaginary debate, something like this. Uh, gentlemen, you've made it a point to proselytize that religion is dangerous. Well, guys, um, you're preaching to the choir. Uh, I spent the first half of my life weaponizing Judaism. I, I arrested, jailed, uh, tortured, uh, oversaw executions, all in the name of religion, all in the name of God. And Mr. Harris, I understand you aren't very fond of Christians. I wasn't either. But while you and your friends are content to you know, attack with your pens and your blogs and your videos, I actually used a sword. I used a noose. Uh, I wasn't content to write about it. I did something about it. My intent was actually to stamp out the way. That's what we called the church back then. And yeah, I was absolutely convinced I was doing God's work. So yeah, religion can indeed be a dangerous thing. And then something happened. You likely heard about it. I was on my way to Damascus to do uh, more violence in the name of God, and uh, I went blind. But it was while I was blind that I began to see. Richard, you mentioned the weird stories. Well, this is a weird one for sure, but all I can do is tell you what happened. I heard a voice, and the voice said, Saul, why do you persecute me? Well, I had a hunch who the voice was, but I asked anyway, who are you, Lord? And gentlemen, I don't expect you to believe me, but the voice said, I am Jesus, 
whom you are persecuting. Jesus as in the crucified, buried Jesus. Well, uh, that changed everything. Long story short, I was commissioned by God. Um, well, by the God I thought I had been serving all this time to take the message of Jesus to the world, which is exactly what I did. And from what I understand, nobody in your modern world disputes that. That's, that's what exactly what I did. And the only thing you can dispute, I suppose, is why did I do it? So Sam, Richard, why in the world would this uh, dyed-in-the-wool Pharisee like me do an about-face and serve the very person whose memory I set out to destroy? What's your theory? If you're going to dismiss the Christian faith, it's not enough to um, discount the credibility of my, um, what did you say, not particularly wise Jewish ancestors. You've got to discount me. And I wrote this letter to a church in Corinth. They were a mess. You know, despite what you may think, Christians have never denied being a mess. But I end the letter by summing up the whole point of, well, everything. I mean, forget moral philosophy, forget losing the argument to science. My one point was this. If the resurrection didn't happen, then let's just cut our losses. Like, let's close up shop. Let's, let's just live for ourselves. Eat, drink, be merry, because tomorrow we die and we're nothing but worm food. But, but, the resurrection did happen. There are 500 witnesses in 40 days who had seen Jesus die and then live again. Oh, and uh, one last thing, Richard, Sam. For the record, there's really only one weird story that matters, the one Peter told you, the one people like Luke, the doctor, wrote about. And if you think about it, it's a lot less weird than what the two of you believe. Uh, you believe all of life arose from a single organism. Peter and I believe a full-grown man arose from a single tomb. So I want you to know the validity the validity of our faith does not rise or fall on whether you believe the Bible is scientifically accurate. It was never meant to be a science book in the first place. Not that these criticisms are unimportant or that they don't have good explanations. It's just that my faith, our faith, doesn't uh, teeter on the skeptic's accusation of um, Old Testament misogyny or a, a four billion year old earth or accusations of atrocities carried out in God's name. Our faith rests on one event, an empty grave. Do you know why we meet on a Sunday morning? It's because of an empty grave. For thousands of years uh, previously, those who worshiped the God of the Old Testament, they met faithfully on Saturdays, but an empty tomb on a Sunday morning changed all that. It changed everything. And it's why I find it very odd 
um, to see so many Christian churches that make a big deal about Easter, make a big deal about everything other than the resurrection. I see churches give away huge door prizes. There's Easter egg candy drops from helicopters. I, I know of a mega church that, that has, I know a mega church that gave away a car. And you're thinking, why don't I go to that church on a Sunday? Um, they, they know that Easter has a great potential for church visitation so that any extra incentive they can get people through the door seem worth it. But all I can ever think about when I see that is how unamazing it makes the resurrection seem. I mean, our leader came back from the dead. If that doesn't pack them in, maybe it's because we don't act like it's a big deal to us. But the Easter event is the biggest deal in the history of big deals. The empty grave, man, it changes everything. Uh, Yaroslav Pelikan says, if Christ is risen, nothing else matters. And if Christ is not risen, nothing else matters. The Christian faith began with the historically verifiable event of the resurrection of Jesus. And Christianity predates the Bible by hundreds of years. There were thousands of Christians before there was a the Bible, right? The Bible did not create Christianity. It's the other way around. So if the Bible is your reason for walking away from the faith, um, what do you say about the resurrection? If science is the reason for you walking away from your faith, what, what do you have to say about the resurrection? If hypocritical churches or Christians are the reason that you walked away from your faith, I, I'm curious what you have to say about the resurrection. You know, the options are not either embracing the totalitary or, or the totality of organized religion of your youth or abandoning Jesus altogether. In fact, this morning, you can actually choose Jesus and lose your religion. That might be a good thing. Last year to, to the day, uh, I got my friend Kevin Dixon, a realtor, to let me borrow a for sale sign and a for lease sign. And I made the point, as Paul does in chapter 15, that if the resurrection isn't true, man, let's just sell the place. Let's lease the place. Let's see if the trampoline place wants to expand, right? Because there's, if it didn't happen, we're suckers, we're fools, and we've wasted the better part of our lives and resources on a fairy tale. But because we know it is true, it changes everything. In fact, we have the hope and the knowledge that today our friend Kevin is in the loving arms of Jesus, healed, whole, perfect. The enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold him down. You know, Friday, uh, Ed and April's mom went to be with Jesus. Britta's, Britta's mom, mother-in-law, a grandmother, a friend. And they're grieving, but not as the world grieves. That same Friday, Peter Newell's mother went to be with Jesus. And there's an empty tomb that means that Jesus has defeated death. And one day we'll be reunited. Man, and that changes everything. He is risen. He is risen. 
He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.